Light beer, dark money. Agree on something. Politics, culture, and the intersection of faith, freedom, and free enterprise. And now, live from the Star Worldwide Network Studios, here are your hosts, Light Beer, Chris Clements, and Dark Money, Sean Noble. Welcome back to another episode of Light Beer, Dark Money. I'm Sean Noble. <laughs> I am Chris Clements. And we are coming to you from Washington, D.C., and we have our regular guest. Yes, <laughs> three. This is number three. This, this is three. 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 This is three. In person, yet again, you came and visited us in the studio last time, Andy Biggs. Good to see and, you. And uh, off camera, we, we pretty much talked about all we need to talk about. But well, it's good, we to see, about good to see you guys in D.C., I'm, I'm telling you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Although it's lonely nice, here, yeah, yes, it's a lonely, it's an <laughs> island here. Seeing Chris actually dressed up yesterday threw me for a loop. You, it did. You threw me off my groove. I had to think, who was that dude? <laughs> he I, looked good. I know that guy. <laughs> it's it's out of context, out of mind. It was that's it's right. In in the Capitol Hill Club, you know, that, of oh, all yeah. places. That's right. That's yeah. right. Well, so, and, I mean, the fact that I'm wearing a collared shirt. You're wearing a collared shirt, and I still have a sport coat on. So I'm not shorts. <laughs> Must be something new. <laughs> it is DC. We gotta we gotta elevate our game just a little bit. Mm. So, so thanks for being here. Yeah, my there's pleasure. a lot. There's a lot going on. Yeah. Oh yeah. So let's start with the thing that happened the longest ago, <laughs> the debt ceiling. Okay. <laughs> what that was uh, last week. <laughs> there's a lot since then. Um, give us. I mean, we we have had. So, I have had the argument on this podcast. I've made the argument on this podcast that. Biden started at, hey, I'm not doing anything. It's a clean debt or nothing. The fact that we got him off of that, I thought was a win. Mm -hmm. um, now, Russ, we've had Russ vote on a previous episode say, <laughs> not really a win. I mean, yeah, that's that's fine, but not even nearly far enough. I'm assuming yeah. you're kind of where he is. Because you, you actually voted against the original yeah. Republican bill. That, that Yeah, they called it limit... Uh, Save, grow. Yeah, I had to remind him of that. Like, yeah, you I know, know. Andy voted like, against yeah, that yeah, bill, too. I, I think the L was less. The <laughs> S was sane. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. So I don't know how, how detailed you guys want to go on that. But, I mean, the original proposal, most of the cuts and rescissions were actually stuff that I had put together and worked on. It was part of the plan I put out months ago. And I was flattered that so many people finally came around to that. <laughs> I was a little bit hurt that they added a $1.5 trillion <laughs> increase in national <laughs> debt in a seven-month period. I mean, that's, that's, that's basically admitting that you're about $2.8 trillion a year in, in national, uh, structural deficits. Right. You're going to have to raise the national debt. Yeah. And um, even with my plan, uh, you, you had a, a series of rescissions that would have basically clawed back money that was that was out there. Everything from the IRS funding to the uh, student loan debt uh, forgiveness to to the IRA Green New Deal stuff that was in there. All of that even did not produce a significant amount of actual reduction in our what I would I call our, our deficit spending nut. But what it did was it would buy you time right by by doing that. And and the compromise those guys made, uh, the people who made the deal on that, they said, well, what we'll do is we'll take $131 billion in real cuts um, by going and, and capping in 22 levels, and we'll renegotiate again uh, the following uh, March, right? That was the theory. 
this new deal that came out, um, basically most people don't realize this, we now no longer have a debt cap. There is no ceiling on our national debt today. It was completely lifted off. And, and mm-hmm. it, it'll be lifted off until uh, January 1st, 2025, which means that you, you can't even make it really a uh, uh, campaign issue, right? Because you've kicked it past right. the campaign. Past the campaign. So, so when you say there's not a debt, so, but it comes back, so it's, it's basically a temporary lifting? Or is right. it just... So it's not a date thing. It's 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 a number thing, but it doesn't. No, it's, it's a date thing. There is no number. There's okay. no cap. They didn't they didn't say like four trillion dollars. You can raise it or three trillion, whatever they wanted to do. They just said there's no cap, and we will reimpose a cap if we choose to reimpose a cap on January first, twenty twenty five. So you can see immediately that that's like that is so irresponsible. And then and then the. I remember they they were calling me up because I guess I I want some special attention or something. So they were calling me up and they were saying things like, Andy, this is going to be transformative. And I said, what part's going to be transformative? I I would really like to know. And they said, well, the transformative part will be the admin pay go. And I said, okay. So what that means for for people, if you watched yesterday, we actually passed the RAINS Act Act. Mm -hmm. Now, the RAINS Act is great because it says if you're going to impose a rule over that's going to impact the economy over a hundred a million dollars congress has to vote on it um affirmatively rather than in a negative so we right. don't negative it we actually affirmatively endorse it so that's not bad so ostensibly that's what the admin pago was basically tracked that the same number 100 million um but they provided a clause in there so biden's director of office of management and budget could for any reason, waive the admin pay-go requirement. Yeah. So, so you see all of a sudden the so-called savings is gone because this is a hard-left liberal attorney that runs that. And and when I talked to Democrats, they said, the admin pay-go, we don't care about that. Yeah, because they know that they're going to get the waiver. Exactly. Every, yeah. Every time you get the waiver. And then to make matters worse, if we were to call into question and say, well, we want to challenge the waiver, they actually said there could be no judicial challenge to that to that decision. See, so this is this is we you know I don't want to say anything bad about the negotiators, but I will say they got their pants pulled down and their bottoms spanked pretty hard here by the Biden administration. So that's so that's that, where you are. That's, that's where, where I, I call it a win <laughs> and you call it a spanking. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> Well, somewhere in between, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe leaning more towards the spanking. Maybe. Part. Well, the other thing that we talked about that I was hopeful for within the process, and we were talking about this offline a little bit, is that can now Republicans, and we saw a little bit of this this week, Ways and Means, can now Republicans get their act together and and pass appropriations bills and yep. run through regular order, and and utilize the power that they have moving forward? Your response to me earlier was. Perhaps not, but well, you know, to 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 be fair, I think that I think you're going to get a regular order twelve bill pass out, out of you do the house. I do. the The problem is um, right now. Again, I, I know I'm getting into to details that maybe people don't want to hear, but the the agreement that I didn't make, but that others made with with the with the first deal was that all the spending. Uh, would be written for not for dis- discretionary, but written to 2022 levels. Yes, right. 
And so that's what they're telling the public is that, yeah, we're riding to 2022 levels. And that would net you, if it was true, that would net you $131 billion in savings, which is pretty weak. $131 billion? Yeah, for that's the it? for the year. Yeah, that's right. Oh, well, that's yeah, and but I mean it's something, but that's pretty small. Yeah. Well, here's a, the here's the rounding error. Here's the kicker for you, Sean and Chris. I, I know you guys will get this, uh, but what they're going to do is they're going to rescind 115 billion dollars of spending uh, that's out there, and we're talking. Uh, th- now they're talking about actually clawing back the full IRS thing, which they didn't do, right? Yeah. So actually getting that back, and that's about 71. And then doing some COVID uh, uh, relief money, which is the, we basically frozen. It was at 29. Uh, three months ago, it was about 150 to 170. But this administration started throwing sure. it out as fast yeah. as yeah. we targeted that. Spending. Better spend it. Yeah. So what they're doing is they're taking uh, – they don't really want to spend the 2022 levels – um, I remember I told you it's 131 billion is your savings. They're actually rescinding about 115 billion, and then writing up oh. back. So you so so you can see that the real net savings there is the difference between the 115 and 131. So maybe uh, maybe 16 billion. 16 billion in net savings. Yeah, joy. <laughs> that's that's Which is the less ugly than part of this town. That's yeah. the ugly part of this town. Is and, and then they're going to go out and say we wrote to twenty twenty two levels. Then we save and money. And they'll be technically correct, right, right. but yeah. not quite right. And so I've been advocating if you're going to rescind one hundred fifteen, which I think is way below par because you should be rescinding all of the Green New Deal stuff, right? Yeah. If you did that, that's three hundred billion more. You should be buying down to previous levels. So you could actually. If you did that, you could probably buy down to 2020, maybe 2019, probably 2019 levels, because 2020 is when you started moving up with the COVID right. money. Yeah. So you can get down to 2019 spending levels on the discretionary size. If you did that, you don't actually have to raise the debt ceiling because those 2019 discretionary spending levels are actually within uh, our our revenue level. So that's that was my argument three or four months ago. Still remains my argument, and, and uh, that's where we're going. Pretty lonely argument. You know, it's, it reminds it reminds me of of when Alexander Hamilton uh, went to the Constitutional Convention, and Madison writes this. He says Hamilton came in and pro- proposed a monarchy. Um, uh, many viewed his his uh, arguments with approbation, but no one voted for it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I got. I got a lot of love for the idea. Oh, Andy, what a that's great a idea! idea. <laughs> yeah, we're at twenty twenty two, twenty three, yeah. whatever. You know, yeah, not going to do it. <laughs> That's right. It seems to me that I mean, if you really wanted to push the issue and 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 push the administration, that's where where that bill should have come out. That first bill at twenty nineteen, not twenty twenty two. I thought that was kind of ludicrous I, because all the spending happened in twenty twenty. Why not claw all the way back to twenty nineteen? I think that's a great argument. Well, that's where I was. My argument was um, because Kevin said this. The speaker said this. He said, "Look, um, this will get me at the table. I can start negotiating." And so my argument was, well, then you probably should negotiate at the at the, the most lowest. extreme. Yeah, get get as far get as far where if lightning struck and it happened, everybody you, you'd be content with that. But um, when I suggested that to Kevin, I, um, and and by the way, because the ceiling this it was his the Le- Limit Save Grow Act was not. A, a ceiling was a floor to begin right. negotiating. Yeah. Right? Right. So, because that's what we're talking about is what's your floor, and then do you have room to move? I, t- I told, I remember telling Kevin this. I said, you you could be an historic figure 
You really could because you would by doing this plan, you would break the back of deficit spending and have put have a chance to put us and right the ship, and you would always be remembered for this remarkable thing. <laughs> and he just laughed at me. He said, "Yeah, if I could get all two, we could get 218 Republican votes for that, I would be an historic figure." In, in other words, what he was saying is, we don't have enough Republicans who actually want to bring the spending back. And you know, Sean, when you, you work with John, yeah. and, and and John would probably tell you the same thing. You just can't get enough people who really want to break that. Who really believe this stuff. Yeah. Who really well, want to make that a is change. The problem, is, that, is that we still have Republicans who are, are appropriators first and right. Republicans second. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're here to spend money. Yeah. Gonna be and if they don't get to spend money, they're not worth it. You know, that's how they derive their value. How much can I spend? Right, and I don't. This is how much can I claw back? Yeah, I I don't understand that really. But I I mean, on one hand, I understand it. It's, uh, it it pleases certain constituencies, you know. And and quite frankly, when you start looking at it, we know that, for instance, when they say, "Well, we can't touch this area, we can't touch that area," it's because they've already made a deal with that constituency that that area, that special interest group, that those those interest groups, that they're they're not going to. uh, Touch that area, so so they'll they'll tell us. Well, we're not we're not going there anywhere near that on this. Yeah. So, talk to us a little bit about the more recent development. Well, let's let's do let's do the indictment for let's do okay. Trump. Um, yeah, we haven't talked about Trump today. Yeah, the, he's uh, been noticeably absent from uh, our yeah. discussions. Well, is he is he not in jail? <laughs> no. no, he's not. <laughs> not. No, he's not. Okay, so um, here's here's my take. You can disagree which i'm sure you will uh he belongs no i (laughs) i don't understand why he was holding all this stuff and why he didn't just now okay let me back up i don't care why he was holding it but once he was asked hey this is classified stuff you need to give it back why didn't just give it back well i think um now i'm not asking you to think for him but you know yeah i mean i I mean somebody should uh i i view it as (laughs) as um I think in his mind, as as and by the way, I'm going to give you two reasons why I think he probably thought this. Number one, uh, I think he probably thought, well, I could, you know, when I was president, I could declassify everything. I can have all this stuff. I think I think that's probably uh, one of the things that he thought. Um, and to a certain extent, there's been cases that that kind of indicate that. I mean, when Bill Clinton was caught, he was keeping. Uh, classified documents in a sock drawer, right? I don't know if you remember this. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Well, the court basically came out and said, you know what? Uh, he was the president. He could have declassified this at any time. We're not going to... There's nothing there. Right. There's nothing there. So I, I think in a sense, there is some kind of least logical support for that notion. Uh, the second thing is, uh, I, I don't think it's been represented in the media quite Accurately, there was a there was a deposition done uh, last week with uh, uh, an FBI FBI agent with the Washington Field Office who was actually supposed to be um, uh, in charge of of what was going on this investigation, mm-hmm. and his testimony was pretty clearly. He said, first of all, I kept trying to get the leadership of the FBI to transfer us down to the Miami branch. 
because it shouldn't have been run out of headquarters. It should have been run out of the Miami branch. It was un highly unusual to run it out of here. So it smacks of kind of some kind of politicization. And then he said, and I don't know why we, we didn't keep with the process. The, we had a process in place. We were negotiating, we, and it was ongoing, and it seemed to be productive. Third thing, why in the world um, did we send WFO, our Washington field office agents, down to, to Mar-a-Lago to conduct this raid instead of just having the Miami office, field office go? and meet their attorney there, which is normally what we would have done out of courtesy. So, so you have this whole set of things which indicated to me, like point number two is, why didn't they just continue on with the process that was in place? Uh, and then I, and so those, those are the two things why I think, I think Trump thought there was a process in place. I mean, he okay. has said that. that. But then just kind of this weird deal, um, getting on to what you were saying, um, that they kind of, just smacks of of a politicization of this thing is we got Hillary Clinton and uh, we've got who had no legal authority at all. She's a Secretary of State. A very yeah. different. That's a very different position than the President of the United States. And she set up a server, software server, at her home so she could work from home on classified documents. Yeah. Problem. And then she obstructed justice by destroying right. all the evidence. You had Joe Biden as vice president, and uh, also with no legal authority. No legal authority, and and as as uh, uh, some legal analyst said on TV the other day, I, that's where I get all my legal analysis yeah. <laughs> on TV. Said said, look, you know, he effectively stole it because he did not have authority to even take it out. Right. Yeah. And he has over eighteen hundred boxes, and they're stored not just one location which at least had a security and gated community, they're, they're all, all over, over the place. place. Yeah. Yeah. Multiple locations um, sitting there next to Hunter's Corvette in the garage or whatever, you know. Um, so there is some kind of disparity going on here. Well, and is, it, is Jack Smith, is he also in charge of looking at Biden's documents? No. Mm -hmm. Oh, he's not. No, is there a special a, prosecutor? There is, special but we've heard nothing. Yeah, a different understanding. Different person. And don't forget that when this story first broke, um, NARA and the FBI said, uh, National uh, Archives and Records said, and, and FBI said, just have your attorneys go look through this stuff, and if you see something that we should know about, send it back. That's a really different approach to... Uh, uh, the the NARA bureaucrat basically asserting that uh, that Donald Trump was uh, in violation of the Presidential Records Act. You know, I mean, it's it's a very interesting thing. The other thing I would say, guys, is is uh, and when you read the indictment, there is one there is one count in there that I th it blows my mind, and that is uh, an, the espionage count. I do not understand the predicate for the espionage count at all. I mean, I. And 37 counts, that's that's typically what we'd call an overcharge. So you can, you get 37, uh, you know, bites at the apple. So. Yeah. Well, I think, it, yeah, I, I I thought it was a, a, as typical. They, yeah. They, they overcharge. Um, well, it's I, throwing everything at the wall to see what sticks. Right. Yeah, Especially I've, if and when it goes to trial. Which yeah. You're probably looking to... Well, it'll be after the election. After the election, because they're going to oh, walk this. I, th I think... I mean, they're saying the the F I mean, DOJ is, is kind of indicating that they would like to do it before the election. I'm hearing next spring, if they try the case, 
And and I would just say it is really serious in the sense that it it will have this weird impact on the election. It yeah. really will, especially if you do it in the spring. And I During and, primary I, season. Yeah. And I think a lot of people think because I've talked to a lot of people around here who say, Oh, you know, they'll it, it'll ultimately go away and, and all this stuff. I don't think so. I think these guys really want to put him in jail, prison for the rest of his life. I really do. I, I don't doubt that. But I think they're, and I think that that might be one of their motivations. I think the tr- primary motivation, frankly, and this is my just me guessing, is that they believe that Trump is the only person that Biden could possibly beat. That there's there's enough dislike for both that okay because Biden beat him in 2020 mm-hmm. he's the only one that can actually beat him that that Trump is the only one that would be that would lose to Biden whereas any of the other Republican candidates would beat Biden mm. that's that's what I think they think what I don't think that they're counting on is the fact that I don't think Biden's electable no matter who's up against him so they yeah. they they're doing this thinking that they are Ensuring Trump because I I think they're doing well, this knowing also, that this will get them the nomination because they know that the sympathy factor and the base will rally and that kind of thing that the the persecuting him uh, I use that word not prosecuting uh, is the way to get him the nomination so that they can beat him in the general. But I then see. the opposite could be true. You know, yeah. the electorate could have their fill and say, you know what, we're, we're, maybe you know, it, and you could see a, a surge of some of the other candidates. Yeah. Right. I mean, I. It's interesting. I. I, I mean, I, I. I've heard both of these. Yeah. I mean, believe me. I mean, I don't think anybody knows. Really. This is all going around right now. Yeah. But I mean, uh, so the so the Biden deal is. I'm I'm baffled. That he might actually be, the Democrats' nominee again. I I don't know about uh, you. You know what? I, I'm with you. It's astounding. Be- because yeah. I don't think he's really alive. <laughs> <laughs> it's weekend at Bernie's, but it's a it's a four year term. No, it's a sad thing. I mean, it is. Saw, you saw what happened at the Air Force Academy two weeks ago, and and I think it gave Republicans and Democrats pause. Like this is this is not this is very serious in terms of his physical acumen, his mental acumen. Yeah, he just he's just not there. And so the weekend at Bernie's thing is, is it's humorous, it's funny, but this is this is actually somebody who has to be somewhat cognitive and he seems to be declining right. at a rap at a rapid rate now and and I'll just tell you with with the Durham report what's come out with the Durham report um, I mean I, I think that's really real and what we saw in the in the uh, FD 1023 uh, and which Chuck Grassley keeps talking about very very openly you're talking about the five million dollar yeah, payoff to right. the LLC, every LLC on the face of the planet. Yeah, and the thing that that, that was so interesting about that 1023 was that um, when he started, when this now been revealed by Grassley to be the oligarch, the Ukrainian oligarch who founded Burisma, when he starts talking about it, he talks about I felt coerced by Biden. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to put Hunter on so I could keep access with Biden. I mean, I mean, this is, this is, 
blatant. Yeah, blatant. And why did you why did you need Biden? Well, I needed Biden because Shokin, who was investigating Burisma, was causing me problems because <laughs> I wanted to get I wanted to raise capital in the U.S. I can't raise capital in the U.S. because I'm under investigation by Shokin, and the Democrats have always said, "Well, Shokin, they they fired him because he wasn't investigating." He was investigating. <laughs> yeah. I mean that that we've known that actually for years. And then ultimately, when you get toward the end of that document, the guy says, "Well, I, you know, we buried the payments, the transfer payments, through, you know, uh, you know, such a Byzantine labyrinth that that it'll take him ten years to find the link between me and Joe Biden." Well, it hasn't been ten years; it's closer to seven. <laughs> right. But we are starting to unravel that, and it is it is five million to Hunter, five million to to Joe. It is, uh, and this is just from Ukraine. We haven't even yeah. talked about China or or Romania yet, but uh, as you as you look at that, it is absolutely consistent with what we've seen in the the banking documents that we've had the access to, and, and other classified documents we've uh, had access to. Two dozen, at least two dozen LLCs set up in the last two or three years of, of Biden's vice presidency. Yeah. Dozens of and dozens of of bank accounts, and all of these are these are one trans one trans one or two transaction events. So you got a bank account, and it's bringing money in, and it's taking it, money out, taking money out, and then shut it down. Yeah, shut it down. And so there's there's a reason that every time we turn around, we're getting more. Hey, suspicious you activity sound to reports. me like the mob. You know, like what we do in New York every day. <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. He's very com- very comfortable with it. <laughs> So, yeah, it's, so it's I the mean, Delaware way. Yeah, the Delaware way. Yeah, we. Yeah. Well, this but, is, but this I mean, is this very, is very serious. Well, it it's is. explosive because I mean, I think that this, if if this is true, then the Biden presidency is over. It ends. Right. I mean, it just well, has to because that's just a. And I certainly, mean, if there's what, uh, what Senator Grassley said the other day, there are 15 to 17 recordings. Yeah. There's been this lament that the the, the you know the. The national press covered the the Trump indictment the other day, but didn't cover this revelation. But there's an easy way of turning the tables on that: is that if you have Joe Biden and this yeah this Ukrainian oligarch and Hunter Biden on a call together, then I don't think it's going to be that easy. I, you don't think it's going to be that easy? No, I because I, I I don't know that the well one somebody should put the this guy on a suicide watch. Um, uh, well, yeah, I <laughs> I don't know. Did he do any business with the Clintons? <laughs> I don't think it matters. Well, now. yeah, you, you're going to have to watch out for his safety. I mean, yeah, that guys, the oligarch safety. Um, but I mean, there were a lot of oligarchs lately that have, Russian what, oligarchs in, that have yeah. turned in up the Senate down. hearing the other day. Was that what the deputy director was alluding to? Basically, when he's you had um, several senators ask, you know, why why can't you just release this? Why can't you release it? It's not it's not classified. And he basically was alluding to the, the, the for the safety of the person in question. That's, see, that's what we were told. That's why, uh, you know. So they said this is a non classified document. I said, then why do I have to read it in the skiff? Um, and then they then I take notes, and I'm walking out the door. I said, you got to give us the notes. I said, it's a non classified document, you know. And and I said we're not talking methods, uh, you know, or personnel. And, and and I do believe that they're concerned about. Uh, some of the people that have been willing to to come forth as whistleblowers. I mean, 
we've had the FBI has not protected the whistleblowers that have come to us. Mm. Um, there's been retaliation, and and we have to investigate that too. I mean, that's the whole thing. This, you you got the whistleblowers, then you have the retaliation on the whistleblowers, and that becomes its own investigation. And and they've got us. It's it's pretty ingenious in a way. Is uh, you'd really try to flood the zone. We see it on the border all the time, where where they'll send uh, the cartel will send 200 people to run across the border. I mean, actually, I've actually seen this: 250 to 200 people run across the border. The border patrol comes down trying to take care of it. In the meanwhile, over here, you, you got the drug cartels <laughs> yeah. coming across and stuff. It's kind of ingenious because um, uh, the the resources that we have are 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 limited and. And, and I would just say this to Chairman Comer's and, and Chairman Jordan's um, credit. They are staying focused. They're trying to stay focused, laser focused. Comer's done a really good job on staying focused on uh, getting us more. We're going to get more bank records next week or whatever. You know, we, we're going to get this next week. And we're going to just and we keep building up this case. And it seems like a long time. I know people say, oh, my gosh, oh, you know, it's been f- four and a half, five months. That's it's four and a half to five months, and we've done more than the FBI did in five years. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. and this administration is fighting us every inch of the way. They don't want anything released publicly. Everything sure. they're, they're trying to classify everything and and uh, prevent us from getting it out to the American people. Ah, astounding, <laughs> astounding stuff. Did you think for a second when you ran for Congress the first time? That this is what it would be like. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Look, I thought, I thought that we're going to get in and we're going to. I thought we're going to get in and repeal Obamacare. <laughs> that didn't happen. <laughs> then we're going to repeal Obamacare. I thought we were going to do a tax package that was, that was uh, monumental. It was a pretty good tax package, but we've got stuff that that they they didn't bother to make permanent, and that are, that's that's fallen off the side already, right. like, like, you know, uh, immediate expensing, you know. Uh, so all these things I thought we were going to do, I didn't know we were going to spend all our time dealing with the, the attack on Donald Trump, uh, the Mueller investigation, two impeachments, and all of them. All of them are based on what the Durham report is pretty clear. An investigation was opened. July 26, 2016, Hillary Clinton's Clinton Foundation is being investigated, right? Hillary Clinton's being investigated for the confidential uh, classified emails on her server. According to the Durham report, she okays this, this plan on July 26, 2016, that where we're going to tie Donald Trump to Russia. So, so they, 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 they give money to Perkins Coie. Perkins Coie then um, uh, hires uh, Fusion GPS, who hires in turn um, uh, Christopher Steele. It's Christopher Steele. Yeah. And Steele, and Steele, he's just making this stuff up. Yeah. <laughs> they said, well, where do you get the information? Uh, Igor Danchenko. Well, who's Igor Danchenko? Well, Igor Danchenko just so happens to be a guy that they investigated in 2008 for trying to solicit espionage for Russia. Yeah. (laughs) 
And everybody that's associated with him says he's he's not a credible dude. They they don't believe him. He's here on on a visa overstay Ill, uh, uh, a fraudulent visa application. <laughs> what, what's what's happening is in that instance, what's happening is is you got Danchenko's here, um, and Steele is paying him, but he's not paying him directly because Steele is a foreign company. Mm-hmm. You need to, got to have a U.S. company. So there's a Russian guy. He goes to that guy, and that guy says, "Well." Yeah, we can say you're working for me, but uh, I'm not paying you. So somebody else has got to pay you. So they're they're laundering money through that. The whole thing was just made up whole cloth. Yeah, and that was the basis for the first impeachment, the second impeachment, uh, the Mueller investigation, and and Adam Schiff and these others still say there was Russian collusion. Durham, Mueller, yeah. Uh, Horowitz. Just, they all no. said there was. That's not real. It was never and real. He's still saying it. Yeah. They're still saying it. Yeah. And and uh, uh, well, it's it's. it's a, we, we've yeah. had a, a consistent theme today in, in a lot of our <laughs> podcasts, and that's you know the Biden gaslighting operation, the Democrat yeah. gaslighting operation. If you can say it enough times, you can get people to yeah. believe it. That's true. Let me ask you this: How do we get our country back? I mean, how do we get back to the point? I mean. You've got Trump being indicted. You've got this circus down in Miami. You've got everything that's going on with the Biden. For, for someone like me, who grew up in you know, us, who grew up with Ronald Reagan and, yeah, and, right. and the values that he espoused. I was so espoused, hopeful. I was hopeful. I mean, these are, these are nefarious people through and through in my mind. And so how do we get our country back? Well, I, I, mean, I Trump's I, got his issues. Biden's got even more issues. It's just a mess. And ha- I would I would assert that if we're going to get this back, I, I, I people. By the way, that is the number one thing I get asked. How, how do we get our country back? The second thing is, is somebody going to jail? Those are the, those, <laughs> those, those are the two things I get, and they seem to be related. You know? yeah, right. The sad thing is because the Pandora's box that that the Justice Department has opened up with Donald Trump, everyone could go to jail at some point. Oh, that, that's right. I, I mean, so I, I think the last time we were together, I talked to you about the pendulum being way over yeah. to the left. And so somebody has got to go to jail to over here so you can move back to equilibrium. I still kind of believe that. Um, mm. But I would say that I tell people all the time, well, the first thing that we have to do is, is if we become a people of faith, if we trust in God and believe in God, I think, I think you know, miracles going to happen. But the second thing is, and then and then the people that I, I go talk with, that gives me some hope. Yeah. But the states have got to reassert their sovereign authority under the Constitution, and and that's that's another thing, Sean mm. and Chris. When when we talked about that that last deal, it did nothing to uh, reposition power back to the states. That's a real right. problem for me. you. Got to do that, and. Uh, uh, and we we actually had a hearing yesterday about that. But but the point is, if the states stand up and enough of them stand up, then then the federal government has to cede the authority back. And as we do that, uh, we shrink it. I mean, think about it. Who who comes to the federal government asking for help? Everybody, mm-hmm. everybody. Why? Because they think all solutions are from in D.C. What if you had 50 vibrant state capitals where people were down at the state capital instead of here, and they were saying, "Look, you know, I've got a problem. We got a problem here." Locally, those leaders would be much more who are much more in tune with the local issues would be able to deal with that on a local level. Um, I, I, to me, that really is the answer. 
and and just think if you had thousands of people participating uh, in the in the cities and towns and the counties and the in the local jurisdictions. That's where the best government is. The, having the government and the feds is a bad thing, and because we we tend we see it, power irrigates power to itself. Yeah, and that's what's happened here. And the other thing, it allows corruption. It allows it allows these these uh, power brokers at the FBI and right. DOJ uh, to to act with with impunity. Uh, uh, you know what they're talking about? And speaking of this. This is one of my issues, man. Uh, we've seen DOJ totally weaponized, not just a, on Donald Trump, but you could even even on the J6 people. I mean, the, the, there are some people that did really bad, violent things. They should be prosecuted. But the disparate treatment, say you were in Portland and every night for 60 plus nights, you were trying to burn down the building with people in it. We yeah. used to call that attempted murder and right. arson. Right. They, they didn't have the same experience that um, I'll give you the 70-year-old uh, uh, grandpa guy shows up. He's wandering around. He's no allegation he was violent, no allegation that he uh, uh, did any more than a technical trespass. The, the prosecutor in D.C. wants him to go to prison for 14 years. Wow. No, cri no criminal history. No criminal history. He had a technical, he, vi he, he trespassed. He should not have been there. In, in my day, when I I, uh, I used to see this, you would get uh, maybe you'd get a, a, an unsupervised probation term of probation, and uh, for a short period of time, and maybe a small fine, a couple hundred bucks. No, no more. We're going to put because this guy says we're going to make an example, and who's he going to make an example of? Conservatives. Yeah, yeah. That's the that's that's the problem. So, I say dis what the founders intended was to disperse power. Out to the states, disperse and recognize that, and that's that's our best. That's the that's the only only way we get it back. I think. Yeah, yeah. Federalism, well, good yes, old exactly. federalism. Yeah. Congressman Biggs, thank you so much for be taking the time. My my pleasure. Great, and to you see know, you. Sean, even when we disagree, <laughs> we can be pleasant. We can be pleasant it. about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Good. Well, thanks again, and thanks for listening, everybody. Have yeah. a good one. God bless. Take care. Thank you all.